0: a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on Leading & Learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading & Learning. This is episode number 427, Evangelism and the Gifts of the Holy Spirit, part 2. So last week, we, we started discussing how uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are wonderful tools for us to use in the area of evangelism. I think sometimes, uh, depending on what your church tradition is, it's very easy to think that uh, you know God doesn't intend to use these gifts today, or they're only supposed to be used inside the four walls of the church, but I, I think that's... Um, uh, not even remotely true, because we see Jesus operating in these spiritual gifts. We see Peter, we see Paul, we see the other apostles operating in them, and I think they're uh, very important for us as well today. Now we're, we're we're working with the gifts of the Holy Spirit that Paul listed in First Corinthians twelve verses seven through eleven. The gift uh, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, uh, the gift of faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, different kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. So how are these gifts supposed to be used in evangelism? Um, I'm going to give you a really good resource highlight today. Um, it's a book called... Uh, the beginner's guide to spiritual gifts that'll be listed later. Um, but you know if you're again if you grew up in a tradition where, where the gifts of the Holy Spirit were not actively practiced or encouraged, uh, I encourage you to dig in and see what God's word says because I find in my own life being a Christian for 40 something years the the, the the gifts of the Holy Spirit are more precious today than they've ever been. God wants to equip you in every area. It's like having tools in a tool belt to allow you to, to be more a more effective witness for Christ. Last week, we talked about the word of wisdom, that, that supernatural advice that often pops up in a conversation. Somebody will ask you a question, and you'll, you'll have the answer, or maybe it's happened to you. You've asked a question maybe there was there was a period my, uh, I shared the story last week where I was um, had a particular issue that I, a ministry question that I was struggling to find an answer to had breakfast with a good friend and he easily he just just shared right out of you know um, his spirit this simple thing but you know I'm a fairly educated guy and it eluded me but I think that's why we need each other this word of wisdom and then the word of knowledge that That supernatural insight about a particular subject. We mentioned the woman at the well. Jesus had a word of knowledge about her situation. Go and call your husband. Well, I don't have a husband. That's right. You've had five, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. You're not married to him. So a good example of a word of knowledge. Um, Today we're going to pick up with faith. Now, now, this is an interesting one, that the fact that Paul lists faith as a gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, faith is something that we all must have even to become a Christian. Um, it says that without faith, Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Jesus said, if you have faith as, as small as a mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain and tell it to be cast into the sea. And um, faith is referred to over and over again. The importance of faith in the Christian life. So, what is this Paul is talking about in First Corinthians 12 when he talks about the gift of faith? And I think what we see it 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 lived out. We see it activated in uh, the life of Jesus and also in the lives of the apostles in the New Testament. A great example is. In uh, in Acts chapter 13, when Paul, or maybe it's chapter 14, let's just see here. When Paul saw that the man had faith to be healed. Um, it says that, uh, while the, this is chapter 14 of Acts, While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. And he was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, Stand up. The man jumped to his feet and started walking. So, so we see that this man had the gift of faith, and probably Paul did as well, and it activated a miraculous healing. Uh, we also see it in Acts 3, where Peter or Peter and John... Uh, come upon the man who's uh, begging by the temple and he's asking for alms. Peter looks at him and says, I don't have any silver or gold, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And I think, again, we see here the gift of faith in conjunction with the gift or the working of miracles. Now, notice here, we're going to talk about these faith gifts of healing and working of miracles for a minute um, working of miracles can be something besides a healing obviously We saw Jesus with the uh, uh, nature miracles calming the storm, walking on the sea. Um, I don't advise you to try that unless God's really spoken to you but but that was a miracle it was it was a miracle that Jesus worked and I think sometimes when we think about working, we think about miracles, we think about God doing it all, but I think it's fascinating that Paul says that the miracles are worked. It's a working of miracles, and I think there's a, a place for us to participate with God, with the Holy Spirit, in seeing this miracle worked. Maybe it's praying over and over again. Maybe it's, it's taking an action step. Uh, maybe it's believing that we've received uh, what we've prayed for, but there's there's something where we're involved. But I think when we when we throw out the, the throw in the uh, the gift of faith here, it's this thing that's as simple as knowing that it's going to happen. There have been a few times in my life when I've 100% known that something was going to happen. Uh, recently, I prayed for somebody. They asked me to pray for them for healing. And, and I knew as soon as I laid hands on them, they were going to be healed. That doesn't happen very often to me. Maybe it happens a lot to you. It doesn't happen that often to me. But I knew that as soon as I laid hands on them, they were going to be healed. And sure enough, um, the young woman broke down and started crying and said, The pain is gone. As soon as you touched me, the pain left. Um, I think, again, we see the gift of faith in conjunction with the working of miracles. Now, what about the gifts healing I think it's fascinating that Paul uses this one in the plural he uses it in the plural gifts of healing I think when we talk about healing we're talking about physical healing to be sure but also spiritual healing emotional healing mental healing Um, there's different types of healing and the very word healing implies a process a miracle implies something instantaneous. Um, in fact, in the Greek, when we look at the, the miracles, it's, it's, it's as if God focuses his power through a magnifying glass. It's that, that kind of tense in the verb there, that, that God is focusing his power on a particular situation, and the result is a miracle. But with healing, sometimes God speeds the process up. Sometimes, another example from the life of Jesus was the paralyzed man who was let down through the roof. Jesus didn't heal him right away. The first thing Jesus did was he said, My son, your sins are forgiven. In his case, he needed to be forgiven before he needed to be healed. He needed spiritual healing before he could receive physical healing. And and how many people in our world today Need spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical healing. So sometimes it's a process. Um, again, a miracle can be instantaneous, um, but you know, people with 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 healing, um, it 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 may actually take longer with that gift of healing. Um, I was visiting with a, a pastor in Brazil, a good friend of mine. had had a massive stroke and almost died, and uh, in, in in Chile, and I was visiting with them. Uh, Right after he had the stroke, I actually tried to cancel the trip after he'd had the stroke because I knew the last thing they needed was to have to worry about taking me anywhere, picking me up, getting, you know, helping me, looking out for a foreigner because they, they feel that sense of hospitality. So I tried to cancel and they said, no, no, please come. And so I said, I'll come on the condition that we can pray for him every day. So for an entire week, every single day, we went to the hospital. His wife took me to the hospital. And, and it didn't matter who was in the hospital room. We would lay hands on him and pray for him every single day, completely paralyzed on his left side, um, listless. You can tell just feeling terrible, depressed. Am I going to get out of this? What's going to happen? This is a young man, like less than 40 years old. But on like the sixth day of me laying hands on him every single day, not just me, but the others, we're all laying hands on him and praying for him. By the sixth day, he was able to start moving his foot and wiggling his toes. By the seventh day, it had increased even more, and then I had to leave. And they kept me uh, in the loop. And now he is completely healed and restored. Listen, that's nothing I did. I'm just, I'm just there praying for him. But what I'm saying is, sometimes the gifts of healing, sometimes it's a process. Sometimes it doesn't happen overnight. So now, how does this, how does this fit into evangelism? Listen, people. Don't turn down prayer. I don't think I've ever had a single person turn down um, an offer to pray for them. If they were sick, if it was a loved one who was sick, um, to say, hey, can I pray for them? And and right then, right there, wherever we're at, whether in a restaurant, whether at work, whatever, I'll say, man, let me just do it. We don't have to make it religious. But I've seen the Holy Spirit use that in a powerful, powerful way years ago, I I was working for the police department and I had one of my, one of my people who was sick. I mean, really sick. He was having some, some, some serious health issues and he'd been out of work for, for, for several weeks. And, you know, we were concerned about him and I went by his house to check on him and he said, oh man, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll try and get back to work as quickly as I can. And, You know, this is just really struggling. I'm, I'm struggling with this. I don't. The doctors don't really know. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, listen, I'm just checking on you. I said, I don't. I mean, we'd love to have you come back to work. I said, but that's not the reason I'm here. I said, is it all right with you if I take my boss hat off for a minute and put my pastor's hat on? He said, well, well, yeah. And this guy wasn't a Christian, wasn't a believer. And I said, you know, I'm, look, I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. Can I pray for you? And I said, if not, that's cool. But I said what do you think? Could I just could I pray for you? He said, oh, man, that would be awesome. And, you know, this guy, again, I'm not a Christian, but he said, yeah, yeah, pray for me. So I prayed for him. And, you know, within another few weeks, he, he was better, he was back at work. And I, I, I don't know what, what the prayer had to do with that, but what I do know is I heard him in another room talking to some of the other officers, and he said, man, Sarge came by and prayed for me. I figured he was going to come by and tell me I needed to get back to work. No, man, he came and prayed for me. And I don't, I don't know where, where this young man's at with, with the Lord now. No idea. I don't, I don't, I don't know where, where he's at in his faith, but I know that in that moment he was able to connect with God. Well, don't go away. We will be right back you know, this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by two resource highlights. The first one is The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts by Pastor Sam Storm. Pastor Sam was a cessationist. He, he was in a denomination that did not believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He believed they had died out with the Apostles. Um, in the New Testament, and he did not believe they were t- for today, but he had an experience with the Holy Spirit himself, and now he is actively um, using the gifts of the Holy Spirit in his ministry to see many people's lives touched. So this is a great book. It's The Beginner's Guide. I mean, it's a uh, just a simple, easy to read, but very, very helpful book on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then the second resource I highlight is my book, New Testament Snapshots. New Testament Snapshots is a look at 12 of the lesser-known characters in the New Testament who um, they may not get as much press as Jesus and Paul and Peter and John, but they have a very, very important part to play. So New Testament Snapshots, check it out. You click on the link on Amazon, read a little bit for free. I know you will love it. All right, so we're back. We've just talked about faith and the gifts of healing, the working of miracles. Uh, Remember, this is about evangelism. That's the whole point. I'm not wanting to just talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be able to maybe change your mindset and think, how can these gifts be used to help bring people to Christ? That should be our our goal in every relationship. Um, in, In everybody we encounter, we should be looking for some opportunity to share the love of Jesus with them. It doesn't always come, but it should be something we're always trying to find. So the next one is prophecy. Prophecy. So, you know, we think of prophecy and we think of thus saith the Lord and pronouncing judgment and calling down fire and brimstone. And that's really not what New Testament prophecy is. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 that prophecy is given to uh, encourage to build up, and to comfort. Well, who doesn't want to be encouraged? Who doesn't want to be built up? And who doesn't want to be comforted? So if we can take that attitude with us and ask God to create within us this desire to prophesy. Listen to what Paul says. This is 1 Corinthians 14. He says, love should be our highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities, the gifts the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. If you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll only be talking to God since you won't be able to under they won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it'll all be mysterious. but one who prophesies, strengthen others, encourages and, and comforts them. Um, so, Prophecy. I love the fact that Paul says, I want you all to prophesy. I want you all to to, to desire to prophesy. So, what does this look like on a practical level? You know, one of the things I've found is so lacking in the world is a spirit of encouragement. What would it look like if you became the most encouraging person in your office? What would it look like if you became the most encouraging person in your family or in your school or in your neighborhood? You know, what I find is encouragement is the the building block of prophecy. And when I look for opportunities to encourage, when I look for opportunities to build up, and when I look for opportunities to comfort I'm starting to get closer to understanding what it means to prophesy. You know, an interesting one that I see in the life of Jesus is when he was calling his disciples. You know, in one case, he he called this guy named Simon, and he said, um, Simon, who eventually was, was Peter, but, but Peter even comes from the nickname Jesus gave him. He said, Your name is Simon, but I'm going to call you the rock, Petros, Peter. Because upon this rock, he says, later, I'm going to build my church. Well, you know, at the time, I don't think we would say that Peter was that rock. He was big. He was brash. He was also quick to stick his foot in his mouth like I am sometimes. He was, he was wishy-washy sometimes. Um, he didn't really know what was going on all the time. And yet Jesus saw in him the personality. He saw the seed of who the man was going to become. So Jesus said, you are named Peter. I'm going to name you Peter. I'm going to name you Petrus. You are going to be the rock um, your faith is going to be the rock on which I build. Another place, Jesus is calling um, uh, Nathaniel. Philip goes and gets Nathaniel, and he brings him. And, and Nathaniel is an interesting guy. Philip goes to Nathaniel. This is in John chapter 1. He says, hey, I found the Messiah. He says, the guy Moses spoke about. He's His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Well, evidently, Nazareth was, was the, you know not a good part of town because Nathaniel said, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip says, come and see for yourself. Well, this is interesting because as they approached Jesus, Jesus looked at Nathaniel, a man he had never met before, and he said, ah, here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. And Nathanael asked the question that most of us would ask. How do you know about me? I'm sure he was thinking, well, that's a nice thing to say, a man of complete integrity. Wow, what a a nice, what an encouraging thing to say. And Jesus, he said, well, how do you know about me? And then Jesus replied, I I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Philip exclaimed, Rabbi, you're the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this because I just told you I'd seen you under a fig tree? You're going to see greater things than this. I tell you the truth, you'll see the heavens opened and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. So, again, you see Jesus prophesying this young man's future. He prophesies he's a man of integrity. And essentially, what Jesus is saying here is I know what you were thinking about because Jesus says, Hey, you're going to see the angels of God ascending and descending on me. And it's very obvious that, that Philip or Nathanael was, was probably contemplating Jacob's encounter with God. Um, all, all the scholars who study this passage say that had to be what, what he was talking about. Uh, Nathaniel's probably sitting under a fig tree, meditating on this passage of Scripture, on Jacob. And, and maybe even the question was, why would God use someone like Jacob, a deceiver, uh, really, not a good person at this point in his life, and so what happens is Jesus now sees Nathaniel and he says, "Ah, oh, here's somebody. There's no Jacob in you. There's no there's no deception in you. It's a it's a man full of integrity." So again, this prophecy um, is a powerful, powerful thing, and Nathaniel became one of Jesus's followers. Now I'm going to go ahead and stop here. We've still got. Um, Three more gifts to talk about. Uh, We've got distinguishing between spirits. This is a very interesting spiritual gift. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. We will be talking about those next week. But I want to encourage you, if, 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 if this idea of looking at spiritual gifts and trying to decide how you can use them in your life to bring people to Christ is a new concept for you, get into God's Word. Pray through this because God has equipped you to be a witness. That is that is the, the, the mission that the Holy Spirit has anointed you for. But he's given you tools. He's given you gifts. He's given you uh, supernatural talents and abilities to bring this to pass. So get into the scripture, read, study, check out Sam Storm's book. I know it will help you. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. We will see you next week on Leading and Learning.